and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd Erzin. Aaron McIntyre, they're here too. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. You can also try emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also try, with an emphasis on the word try, liking us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And if you want uh, some things to, to share and sample from the television program, go to youtube.com. Slash Steve Dace. Typical Wednesday fair coming your way. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation will give us a depressing close to the program coming up in the next hour of the show in between the zany hijinks of buy, sell, or hold. But before we get to all of that frivolity, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by another Democratic debate, this time in South Carolina. First of all, let me go. Tom, I think she was talking about my plan, not yours. I think we were right. talking about math, and it no, doesn't take oh, two hours well, to do the math. Because let's talk about let's what talk it adds about up to. Well, we math. Don't. Let's talk about let's math. Talk about math. Okay, if so here's the math. Nothing, no, here's the math. Doing nothing is what Excuse will happen. Bernie Sanders finally put a price tag on his Medicare for All plan. What every study out there, conservative or progressive, says Medicare for All will save money. Ours will cost about $45 billion, not $60 trillion. He also says he'd help black and brown people by letting them sell weed legally. We're going to provide help to the African-American, Latino, Native American community to start businesses to sell legal marijuana rather than let a few corporations control the legalized marijuana market. Joe Biden slammed the NRA. I'm coming for you, and gun manufacturers, I'm going to take you on, and I'm going to beat you. And also said this. 150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. Elizabeth Warren is pro-life now. When I was 21 years old, I got my first job as a special education teacher. I loved that job. And by the end of the first year, I was visibly pregnant. The principal wished me luck and gave my job to someone else. Pregnancy discrimination, you bet. But I was 21 years old. I didn't have a union to protect me. and I didn't have any federal law on my side. So I packed up my stuff and I went home. At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it. The way that I Mayor Bloomberg never said that have said okay. to one of oh, his on. pregnant employees. Mike Bloomberg once again refused to call Xi Jinping of China a dictator. He does serve at the behest of the Politburo, uh, of their, their group of people. But uh, there's no question he has an enormous amount of power. Um, and um, he, But he does play to his constituency. You can negotiate with him. He also admitted to buying politicians. 21 of those were people that I spent $100 million to help elect. 
All of the new Democrats that came in, put Nancy Pelosi in charge, and gave the Congress the ability to control this president, I I, I got them. A CBS News poll after the debate asking viewers who impressed them the most showed Bernie Sanders leading the field with 45 percent, followed closely by Joe Biden at 43 percent. Elizabeth Warren was at 40 percent, Buttigieg at 38, Klobuchar at 31, Bloomberg at 25, and Steyer at 24. The South Carolina primary is this Saturday. Joe Biden leads in the real clear politics polling average of the state, 30.3 percent to Bernie Sanders, 22.3 percent. In other news, the United States Senate yesterday voted against a bill banning abortions after 20 weeks. Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski were two Republicans who voted against the bill. Joe Manchin and Bob Casey were two Democrats who voted for the bill. It failed 53 to 44. The Senate also voted against a bill yesterday that would have required doctors to provide medical care for babies who survive an abortion. Doug Jones, Bob Casey and Joe Manchin were three Democrats who voted for the bill. That bill still went down 56 to 41. CNN reported on the latter bill by saying in a story, quote, The second bill to be considered Tuesday is the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, sponsored by Republican Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska, that would require abortion providers to work to preserve the life and health of a fetus that was born during an attempted abortion. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, what does CNN think about a Negro that's a human? ¿Qué piensa CNN sobre un negro que es humano? Coronavirus update, the Center for Disease Control's immunization chief Nancy Messonnier is warning the country that, quote, disruption to everyday life may be severe, end quote, and that she told her children, quote, right now we as a family need to be preparing for significant disruption of our lives, end quote. Checking in on Drag Queen's story hour, this took place at a community community center in Washington, D.C. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, and you really want to show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. The drag queen in that video calls himself Cake and was interviewed by the Daily Caller where he said of Drag Queen Story Hour, quote, It's like pretty cool that we're able to expand everyone's horizons and show things that these kids haven't seen before, end quote. Back in September, an Orlando, Florida police officer arrested a six-year-old girl, putting her in handcuffs and taking her to the police station to be fingerprinted and have her mugshot taken, all because she threw a temper tantrum in class. Video of the incident was released this week. I don't want to go to the police car. You don't want to? No! The Orlando Police Department later fired Officer Dennis Turner and dropped all charges against the child and had her record expunged. And finally, in case you wanted to feel bad about the sort of shape you're in, meet 62-year-old George Hood. He's a former Marine who just beat the world record for planking after lasting over eight hours in the abdominal plank position. Hood said he did it to raise awareness of how exercise can improve your mental health. Eight hours... 15 minutes and 15 seconds. George Hood is the New York Guinness World Records title. I feel worse now and my elbows are numb for some reason just watching that. And that's what happened while we were away. I remember that one time I got over five minutes and I was like, a freaking stud. (laughs) This guy. 
I read the story. I, and I can't said, even sleep for eight hours, let alone playing for eight hours. He said just as long as he can get to the point where his elbows have gone completely numb, then he's good. Wow. All right, let's let's get to the uh, the montage, shall we? And and I want to begin, and and maybe we'll end up ending there as well uh, with the the latest. What is this? The tenth Democratic debate I think now. The eleventh. Is it, it the eleventh? Okay. It's the, it, we're in double figures. I want to I want to approach this by answering a few questions. Now I I can't watch any of these. I haven't watched any of these. I I can't. I, I just can't. I just can't. All right. I just I can't do it. I can't ingest it at that level. I can't mainline it. Uh, I can't even. So I have followed everyone via social media, and my cop out excuse is, which I am owning up front. I am admitting up front. It is a cop out excuse. My cop out excuse is that I'm not its target audience anyway. So so my opinion of what is being said is largely irrelevant. Uh, if not wholly irrelevant. And I would say that's the case of all three of us that are about to comment on it. But it's far more impactful to see what the people who are the intended audience think about it. Okay? So that's the excuse that I tell myself to justify the fact that I am mentally soft and I, I just cannot expose myself to this to this level of mainline toxicity. It's just... I don't do nihilism well. It's just, it's not my bag. I can't do it, All right? So, um, watching last night on social media, let, let's let's begin from a worldview perspective because that's that's always our show's prime directive, okay? Because, Todd, Aaron, you follow these similar to the path that I take, correct? Yeah. All right, Todd, you watch this. I'm like the planking guy with these things. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, so that's good, though, that at least one of us subjects themselves to this because I'm sure it's different viewing it whole cloth in real time as opposed to watching the reactions on a delayed basis via social media, okay? From a worldview basis, if what was sold to the American people last night, Todd, I'll start with you. Strictly from a worldview basis, what was was there was there a cogent message, a philosophy? What was because the impression that I got following social media's reaction is that this was just random acts of doing things. Uh, that this was random acts of screaming, yelling, bad jokes, um, and it didn't really serve. And that's before I even got to the conservative media trolling, okay? That it really didn't serve any cause whatsoever. Um, and it, it, was, did it, it, it didn't benefit the process um, in, in the bigger picture. You don't no, agree with that? It's incredibly clarifying if you, if you follow it through for all two hours. And if you've seen many of them, the messages are consistent. It's, it, is, it, it speaks to your point, Steve, about how there is no moderate candidate and or lane in reality. That there's, that there's no ideologically moderate candidate, but moderate no. is now de- defined in the Democratic Party by your temperament and tone. Yes. Yeah. And that does, well, that doesn't even exist increasingly. The last two baits have been the most uh, cantankerous. Civility has been put aside the most. In, and in my mind, it's been the most honest because we can't even have that personality lied to tell yourself but philosophically steve it is it is 
utterly socialistic in terms of its economics, uh, in terms of its uh, uh, social policy. Uh, beyond that, it is utterly progressive all the way out uh, to its logical conclusions. Uh, so much so that uh, somebody like Elizabeth, when you get out there, you start saying some crazy things because there's nowhere else to go with your with your thinking anymore in terms of that logical Like how do you condition. distinguish yourself, right? So somebody like Elizabeth Warren has nowhere to go, but she actually made a pro-life argument just because it was selfish. I got fired because I was pregnant and you said kill the baby. That there's Planned Parenthood is sitting there going, "Hey, no, 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 honey." Are they doing the Jonah Hill gif? Yeah, but she has yeah. nowhere else to go because, for the most part, on every level, this is a progressive dream that was issued last night. If you don't like how it went because it just looks like, how are they going to beat Trump? That's a you problem because every progressive, if you're embarrassed by what you saw last night, I, I said this on Twitter. Yeah, Why? I thought this, this was one of what the best tweets think. I saw last night. I want you to say... But go ahead. Re, you no, always no, do it better than no, I No, reset what you said to the audience in that tweet because I thought that was an excellent summation. I, I, I basically said, it, if you're embarrassed by any of this why this is who you are mm -hmm. and if you're proud of this why are you because like it's, this? <laughs> uh, because it's utter lunacy <laughs> so there you're, you're darned if you do and darned if you don't right yeah but that's why these last two debates have been a gift and i wish i i wish you had seen these two at full volume i understand why they this kind of the there's so much in the first eight or whatever nine debates mm -hmm. that it's just we know you're lying to me and you're putting on a spin there there was no spin in these but last see, I, two I, debates. I think what you just said is why the political analysis is what it was. This wasn't good in the in the bigger picture because all the political analysis cares about is how do we beat Trump. That's all the political analysis cares about, right? That that's they're they have technocrats running in, in their consultant agencies just like our side does, right? Sure. And so just looking at it from the perspective of it was essentially we don't even need Van Jones's Bleak House look forlorn <laughs> forlorn. That'd be a good show, okay? Forlorn, uh, 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 you know. Facial recognition, okay? Um, because before we even got to the CNN panel, people were, were just like, thank whatever pagan deity is acceptable for us to worship that the, the, the general election with Donald Trump is not tonight. Because, what, I mean, the hand raising, the screaming and all that other stuff, it just, it was, it looked beyond unpresidential. It was was now, the reviews that I saw. It has, okay, it has been away a lot. I, in full disclosure, I, this time I, after the debate, I was done. I did not see any of the okay. post shows, so I cannot be certain. But I think that that's that good too then, because you're just giving me your, in our audience, your unfiltered take that's not tainted by the analysis. I went off there. to my marriage. Merely, I am merely reacting to the analysis. So that, I, that's, I think we give kind of a full picture here. All right, I'll come back to you in a second. Aaron. So I, I want to – this is obviously another tour de force of progressivism. And I want to I highlight that in a way that sounds like I'm, that sounds like I'm uh, you know, breaking one of the rules maybe that we have, we have brought forth this week or one of the themes that we brought forth this week. But finally, finally Bernie Sanders put a price tag – on his Medicare for All plan, and he said it was going to cost forty-five billion dollars. Now, if <laughs> if you believe if you believe that Medicare for All will only cost forty-five billion dollars, you are so dumb. You are really dumb for real. Now, 
Having said that, there's a lot of people who believe that. There's a lot of people that believe that and who are really dumb, so dumb, for real. In fact, the type of dumbness that can only be brought about by some sort of, I don't know, mm, cancerous uh, viral uh, contagion like progressivism, which is why it, you're equally as dumb for real. If your response, your winning argument against that is it's just going to cost too much. They peddle that type of nonsense all of the time, and yet the guy who is the foremost in doing that, Bernie Sanders, is your prohibitive, at the at least at this point, probably nominee for the Democrats. And so this is all, I mean, say what you want about about any of the other specific things, Elizabeth Warren pivoting towards the, I mean, she couldn't even call, she couldn't even call her baby a baby. She just called it it. Um, say what you want about anything else, but that was one exchange that really stuck out to me, is that there was nobody like, oh, you know, 45 billion, okay. No, the guys, that's a type of dumb that we're up against. And I'm saying dumb, I I don't mean to. It's a very, very powerful, very, very it's, it's powerful. A, it's a contagion. willful dumb. It's a willful I don't, dumb. Because they, what they're be really saying is they don't by, care what it costs. By a religious fervor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't. You don't. You don't care what it costs. This is just your. This is a vision quest. You don't care. I, I thought unquestionably the worldview highlight was Elizabeth Warren's attack on Michael Bloomberg on the life issue from the right. And what she said there is she confirmed for you what what is at what's what's been at the heart the dark heart the heart of darkness of the child killing cult for the last yeah. going on 6 decades you want to talk pregnancy discrimination let's yeah. talk pregnancy what, discrimination what, what, that it really just comes down to if i don't want you to live if you living doesn't benefit me in some way, doesn't bless me in some way, fulfill me in some way, then your value has no life and I can end it. And all of the terms that we have come up with to make this sound like it's, make it sound clinical are, are the oldest tactic in the book of, of just dehumanizing something before we take its humanity away. All right, and this is nothing new. This is this has been going on since the third chapter of Genesis. This is what the human. This is why there's been child sacrifice in every culture in all of human history. But but it, I still following it online. I was startled, and and I don't I don't get too startled that much anymore. I mean I'm I'm all in for the crazy voices now, man. I'm I'm just like I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe Epstein killed himself. I don't believe that Philip Haney guy killed himself. I don't think the coronavirus came from bats. I mean, I just, I'm all in now on, on this because it's frankly the most sane thing. I actually believe I've, uh, looking back on, looking, taking a step back and looking at it, I think it, the most sane choice I can make is just to simply reject most of what is fed to me from people whose very worldview comes from the father of lies and is at best at best wish casting that's that's the that they're projecting that's the best the best explanation and the worst explanation is this is just knowingly lying to you narrative casting propaganda so we're if we're somewhere between your fantastical ramblings you're not you, you know the 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 desires of your nocturnal your ideological nocturnal emissions and fever dreams if if we're somewhere between that is the best case scenario 
And the worst case scenario is um, uh, four legs good, two legs now are even better. Uh, welcome to the new speak. Uh, then I, I don't know why I would accept the premise of virtually anything that, 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 that you're selling to me. And to, to hear her say out loud and connect all the dots, I've spent my entire career making this point on the life issue. And I'm not alone. I mean, there's all kinds of people that have done it long before me and better than me. But as a movement, this we've been trying to provide, what's, what is the motivation here? We don't get it. Why don't they care what the sonograms? Because there was always, the ultrasound was going to end this. The sonogram was going to end this. The, the 3D technology that we can now in full color see what goes on with the child in the womb. We can see it wince when the abortive instruments enter into the womb. All these things... We're going to end it. Watching the the people granola crunch over at the salad bar over ped, the peddling of baby parts, right? How many how many times have we as a movement said this is aha? Finally, we got the truth, right? How many times have we done it? Sure, right. Um, they just it's not that they are ignorant, Bob. It's that they just don't care. And you saw that. I mean, the passion in Elizabeth Warren's voice. For a story, by the way, that, that has actually been debunked. That that story is actually not true. She wasn't fired for being pregnant. That that never happened, apparently. But but the 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 passion she has, that's my baby. You don't get to tell me what to do with my baby. But then she'll turn right around and say, You if you don't want it, you should, you know, if you decide at any point in time, you get up and that passion has waned, your fervor has waned if at any point in time then by all means, hack away. And that simply is the idea that human life exists solely for my benefit, primarily for my benefit. And when it no longer benefits me, then it doesn't have to exist. And that is at the heart of darkness of every murderous tyranny in all of human history. And it's what is driving this as well. And for Elizabeth Warren of all people last night, I got to tell you, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. And I didn't have that square in Democrat debate bingo. I did not. You know, when we were passing those out with the office pool, I didn't take that one. All right. Elizabeth Warren will attack someone from the right on abortion and confirm the entire pro-life deconstruction of what's at the heart of darkness of the child-killing industry. Did you have that one in the office I did not bowl? have that one, nor did I have Uncle Dick in the deer stand. That one escaped me as well. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, 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 to me, that was the worldview highlight oh, it was phenomenal. of last night. How I, it was way too much to ask, obviously. If, if somebody followed up with the abortion question you're right. talking about, right. that would have been fantastic. But we, I can't stress enough what you said. The sanctity of the imaginary job that she didn't actually lose, but that job is still viewed as closer to holy writ than the actual human life. Yeah. That's, it, 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 think about that. Swallow it no matter what political persuasion you're from because there's all kinds of people in the Republican tribe who uh, agree with the made-up story or not that, hey, man. I could, your your that life is getting in the way of my bottom line. There's all kinds of pro Republicans who think that too. Oh, you swallow this lie? Yeah, you you need to look that one in the eye, all of you. Your your odds of overcoming the a, a conscience that seared 
that it will openly grant the premise of your argument and either not even acknowledge that it did that, understand that it did that, or not care. And I don't know Elizabeth Warren to know. And none of us know what was going, what the mental math was in her head. But it's one of those three, mm-hmm. right? We, we don't know which of those three it is, but we know it's one of those three, right? Mm-hmm. There isn't a common sense argument. There isn't an eyewitness testimony. The Pharaoh has hardened his heart, all right? There, there, that is... That is, you're at revival or bust territory. That, that a new heart, a heart of stone will have to be replaced with a heart of flesh. Otherwise, I'm not changing my mind on that because, I'm, I mean, that's a conviction to me. And to, to, I, I was startled by, by that last night. And that was, that was the only time in all these debates I have not watched that I wished I had seen it in real time to just... I can't even imagine what my reaction would be sitting there watching that and have it spontaneously. I'd have to rewind. Did that happen? Did did I, did I see that? I mean, we went there really. I can't even believe it. And the fact that it's not even being discussed anywhere really from that premise on their side of the aisle indicates that her only crime is saying out loud, what is the code for the secret handshake in on the other, on the other side of that debate that that's really what this is about. We want to be able to decide who lives and who dies. And why do we want that decision? Because what is progressivism always really about, gentlemen? What's it about? Power. Power. Power and control. And what greater power than this, than to decide who lives and dies? Now, let's talk about how, if at all, this shapes what happens in South Carolina on Saturday. There are some good Biden polls that are out right now, but they don't take into effect the debate. So I'm just going to tell you, I was on a campaign eight years ago where we get, we were getting killed by Mitt Romney and then we killed him. Newt Gingrich did in a debate and then ended up, you know, winning in a route. So I would want to see, I, I, I'm not even, those numbers don't tell me anything. I'd, I'd want to see some numbers on like Friday, Thursday and Friday after the, the debate has been factored in. All right. So where, if at all, how do you think this shaped the outcome in South Carolina on Saturday. Todd, I'll start with you. Bernie uh, took some hits, and some of them were self-imposed. He, When people came at him, he's just Bernie. He's the cockroach you can't kill. But he's picking some odd fights now as a front-runner and going—I mean, he Pete didn't come close to beating him in Nevada, and he started going after Mayor Pete uh, in, in, as an equal instead of, like, pretending that he's just the pesky guy that can't be, uh, and probably won't demographically speaking. What, what in Bernie Sanders' previous political career showed you that the level of nuance, layered thinking, and, strat- I, uh, and, and strategic mindset was kind of in his wheelhouse? Yeah, I don't disagree, but Bernie Sanders has never been a front-runner before, and if he wants to stay a front-runner, right. he's yeah. going to be need to be uh, smarter than he is. I, he, if he keeps doing things like that, he's going to get into the way of your inevitability argument. Okay. And hey, what do you think, Aaron? So, uh, personally, on, on a personal level, I, I'm, I'm really... Uh, not sure I want to be tempted with uh, having a billion dollars anymore, because if I have a chance of ending up like Tom Steyer or or Mike Bloomberg, I don't think it's worth billions of dollars. So personally, at, at a personal level, that's where I'm at. As far as the overall race goes, though, I, nothing really much has changed in my mind. 
Now, the, the real clear politics polling average of South Carolina has, has Joe Biden leading rather comfortably there. I don't think it's going to be close as, as what that average says. Um, but I do, I, I could see, I could see a tighter race with, um, with, you know, in favor of Joe Biden, whether that's, you know, um, whether that's oh, going to be tighter, first or, right. yeah. or second, um, you know, I, I do see him doing better there than he has done so far. But overall, the race, I don't think this really changes much of anything at all. Bernie Sanders had online a, a quick little advertisement, just a montage of all the other Democrat c- candidates saying nice things about him. Really, all he has to do for the rest of the primary is just roll that in every single state that he needs to win for Super Tuesday, and I think he'll be. I think he'll be Pat because at the end of the day, that ad, that advertisement where all of his rivals are saying nice things about him, that is cash money, homie, because it's the truth. Well, Michael Bloomberg's de- implosion, you would think would you know when we when I did my delegate count, I, I, when I laid it out to you guys, what I thought it would be after Tuesday that I thought Bloomberg and Biden were the same candidate to me. You basically combine those numbers because they're, they're the main alternative to Bernie. It's just a matter of which one do you think has more and which one do you think have less? And, and you and I discussed last week that we thought it was good, that maybe my numbers should reverse in favor of Bloomberg. I think now you would probably reverse the numbers in favor of Biden. Uh, and Biden may, be, may do a little better, may do better than those numbers because I think Bloomberg is going to be a, is, is, is an even weaker candidate. And I think Elizabeth Warren has is auditioning to be Bernie Sanders' running mate. That's, that was my big political takeaway. She's, she's running stalking horse right now. Similar to what Fred Thompson was doing for his buddy John McCain back in 08. Um, she, she's, she's running interference now for Bernie. And I think when you look at Bernie's strategy, how much emphasis he has placed on Texas rather than all the other Super Tuesday, a lot of the other Super Tuesday states, you can see, he's, I, let me, we're up against a break. Let me tell you what I think that means here when we come back. Then we'll get to buy some other hole. You know what? Your dog's food has the same problems that uh, the human food has. Stripped of a lot of the living organisms we need in order uh, to have mass consumption and a long shelf life, sometimes up to two to three years. That means those digestive enzymes, the prebiotics, the probiotics, um, the healthy microbacteria, the vitamins, the nutrients. You know, the reason we're buying so many supplements because it's stripped out of our food too. Same thing is happening with your pet. That's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. They want to make your dog's food even better. It is not a dog food, but it is a supplement for your dog's food. And apparently it tastes delicious according to our dog, Cap, because he absolutely loves this stuff when we put it in his food or in his water. It puts all of those healthy things back in to your dog's food. And if you want to see your dog thrive again, don't take my word for it. I, I can't tell you how great it is, but our dog loves it, okay? Roughgreens.com slash blaze is the website. That's R-U-F-F. Roughgreens.com slash blaze if you want to give Rough Greens VitaSmart a try or give them a call at 833-MY-DOG-33. That spells out to 833-693-6433. 833-693-6433. One last quick thought, and I'm, I'm glad we spent like 20 minutes on the worldview and seven or eight on the wonky stuff. 
If you look at what Bernie Sanders is doing right now, he is campaigning heavily in two states ahead of Tuesday, uh, Texas and Massachusetts. And I think he is softly, you wouldn't say, when you're the front runner, you don't say this out loud, but I think he is softly conceding South Carolina and saying, hey, I'll be happy to take second place here, call it a win. It's not a state, I I performed terribly against Hillary in this state four years ago. It's, you know, it's, it's not a state that necessarily fits my demographic. Now, you know, that's a spin because when you, when you're coming off, really winning the first three states. I mean, when you look at the way the perception of Iowa would happen and the way the delegates are split, we essentially, the perception now is there were co-winners, basically. All right, so we'll give him, we've had, we've had what, uh, three contests and he's got two and a half wins. Is that fair? Sure. All right. That's a spin, okay? I mean, when you've had two and a half wins and then you finish a distant second to a guy that doesn't know in a given day what day of the week he's running, or, or what office he's running for, what name he has, or uh, who the, you know, uh, but he's m- much more aware who the premier of China was, China, back in 1991 compared to now. That is pure spin, all right? But it goes to what I said after New Hampshire, that Bernie Sanders is an inevitable front runner, but a weakened one. Reminds me very much of Mitt Romney in 2012 and that he's going to get this, he's good, you know what he's going to get, but it's, there's just no, the field is so uninspiring that no one else can get that, hit that 30% mark. All right. And so what I think you see Bernie doing is softly conceding South Carolina and going right to Tuesday. And, and there's a, and there's a triumvirate of States there in, in Massachusetts and California, you have two of the premier States in the democratic party. And California is the premier, and there is no close second. It, it's California, space bar, space bar, space bar. And then we can argue, is it New York? Is it Massachusetts? Who's number two? But California is number one, all right? And then Texas. He's done several events in Texas. And I think the argument he's going to try to make is, I won the two states, including the one that had a U.S. senator in the race, Elizabeth Warren. I And the fact that Elizabeth Warren, Bernie has done, I think he's going to do a third or fourth event in her state today. And, the, and that's why I think she's, I said last night, she's running for VP. She never really went after him. She ran interference for him a few times based on what I saw online. Did it look like that in real time? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, he, and he's campaigning in her state. You know what I'm saying? Gee, let's, let's do some math here. Okay. Um, I, I think he, the claim he's going to try to make um, after Tuesday I won California, I won Massachusetts, and then I won the state that we are all fantasizing about in the Democratic Party, Texas. And in Texas, you have a large, what, Hispanic voting bloc? What has been Bernie's strongest, other than millennials, what has been his strongest demo so far? Hispanics. Hispanics. And, and, he's gonna, and that's how he's going to go for the close. And he wants, and, and I think he's looking ahead, and that's his strat, and that's and that's the plan because if Joe Biden wins South Carolina, and it's a strong win, I think that substantially weakens Michael Bloomberg's case. And when we get post Super Tuesday, the pressure will be on. We've got to we've got to coalesce behind one of these guys. We cannot have Michael Bloomberg and Joe Biden in the race together. We're we're hurting our ability to go after Bernie. And I think Bernie's plan is, 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 is that's likely going to happen at some point post-Super Tuesday. And when it does, 
I'm going to make the strongest case I can possibly make right now. And, and the worst case scenario for me is I go to Milwaukee with the most delegates. Maybe I don't have 1,900, but I go there with the most delegates and I unleash the Bernie bros on these poor, unsuspecting, uh, white woke brigade up here, uh, in, uh, in, in, in poor Wisconsin. And, um, we will make it legal. Basically you anybody have any quick thoughts on that? That's no. some of the, that's what I see watching how this is playing out. Now I don't know that it will play out that way, but I think that's the way he is. He sees it playing out. His campaign does. Well, what sparked that discussion off air is what I said. Bloomberg actually had a better night this time around, mm-hmm. even though he was treated the same way. He mm-hmm. had a little bit more backbone. And then there's the over the top nature of Elizabeth Warren. I mean, you, you, you it's one thing is to knife the guy when he's coming in for his first debate and he's a threat. After, I mean, he was crushed after that. Now there's just kind of this obsession and it seems unbalanced. Why Why is Elizabeth Warren acting like she is with him and not, as you say, against Sanders? Right. You know, it just it, it looks bizarre. And so Bloomberg. Because I heard several people big, said they thought this was Biden's best debate. Now, admittedly. That's a low bar. But it's relative to the chaos I'm yes. talking about. So yep. it's just, well, Bernie is nothing to be afraid of. He, he 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 could not do well statistically, but no one else is jumping up. And that's why if I'm Bernie, if, if Bloomberg's going to have a comeback debate, and then you're going to tell me that this was Biden's best debate, I will take that. Yeah. All right? Because what I can't have is this is Biden's best debate and Bloomberg face plants again. Or Bloomberg massive comeback and Biden, again, no. uh, has a senior five senior moments. He, 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 Bernie wants to put off for as long as possible that there is one cl- clear, obvious alternative to him. And he wants to be able to have the strongest case that he has built up in these early contests and on Super Tuesday to say, I am the one. And the longer we prolong this, the harder it's going to be to beat Donald Trump. I think that's, and you know what? That's a very, pardon the pun, there's a certain Stalingrad, we'll just outlast you, Soviet kind of uh, strategy precedent to that if you this pick poetry. up what I'm laying down got there. It. You got I that? got it. All right. Let's get to buy, sell, or hold. This is where we have fun each week. Aaron, courtesy of you and the audience, throws at to Todd and I a series of propositions, predictions, statements, etc. on various topics. Todd, you and I will decide, are we going to buy that? Are we selling that? Hopefully, if you're lucky uh, in the audience there, we might even have a good reason why. Only once per show, though, are we permitted to put on a hold because if we do it for any reason other than, wow, that's so lame, not even our mediocre intellect should be demanded to respond you will be mercilessly mocked, scorned, even maybe, I, I think scourging might, might be appropriate, don't you? Because it's a total punk move to punk out and not give an answer. So what did you do as penance for your yeah. hold? You had the greatest week? hold in the history of the show. I, you, you know, I, well, I can't impose my own penance. You know what I'm saying? I, but I it's, did say- It's Lent. You yeah, must. I, <laughs> I did say um, that I was willing to take the consequences- for that hold. Uh, because, I mean, I was given a lady or the tiger. I, I was given the Hobson's choice. I mean, that, that's, that's in, which one of your kids do you love more? I, I, I could not answer the question between pumpkin spice and shamrock shakes. And I, I feel like that question actually, you know what? I, I'm actually going to claim victimology. I'm going to claim victim status. That question was entrapment. Uh, and it was purposely designed to, to 
put me in a position to fail. So I'm not even going to acknowledge that I held. I'm going to I'm going to retcon this as a I was a victim last week of what was a clear ploy and attempt uh, to corner me in in really a, 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 a an unfair way. Do we speak? Well, that being said, do we have another question from him, Aaron? To I don't believe so. Oh, not, not he should be week. grandfathered in, no matter what the topic is. After how he, I mean, it was Kobayashi Maru. It was the Kobayashi Maru. Yes. Yeah. We'll start though with Constantinos Roditis, who says, with Elizabeth Warren changing course and taking Super PAC money, she will not drop out after South Carolina. She'll continue into Super Tuesday and will be this cycle's Rubio and lose her home state. I think that's a good analogy. Um, and I think like Rubio, she will lose her home state to Bernie Sanders on Tuesday. But I think unlike Rubio, I I don't think she has a problem with this. She's not, you know, she's not gone after Bernie Sanders' tiny hands. If you, if you get the reference mm-hmm. I'm making here, you know, she, she made one comment last night about how Bernie's bros online didn't support her in some kind of issue effort to go after Wall Street. And that was about it. I think Elizabeth Warren is uh, is angling to be uh, Bernie Sanders' running mate, and and I think that's also why she would take she'd go against her vow and take a super and take super PAC money, okay? Because if she's going to be the running mate, or if she wants to be, what is she going to have to take? Super PAC money, okay? She's going to have to she's going to have to take it later. Remember the candies now or later? I do. Remember those? Did you like those back in the day? They're the ones with on the inside of the wrapper, the yeah, jokes or something. Yeah, like yeah, that, you, had, right? you had to suck on them like a like a Jolly Rancher for a while, but then you could chew them. Do you remember those? Yeah. I don't know why my mom. I I, I got, my mom. Um, I got mad at me for talking back at her once as a kid, and I went to grab some now or later's, and she grabbed them out of my hand and said, "You can't have those now or later." Nice. And she really thought she like had like an all time one liner. I don't know why I just thought about that. Wow, weird. Um, and I'm running for U.S. Senate here in uh, the great uh, state of Maine. Uh, anyway, um, the other reason you take the super PAC money now is you bite the bullet now, all right? Because you don't want to get into a situation where you're the running mate and you got to suddenly do a bunch of things. Like what happened to Joe Lieberman 20 years ago. You had to take a bunch of positions and do a bunch of things that then drag down the ticket. So you do it right now. You you take the super PAC, you bite the bullet now, okay? And that way you don't, the, you know, the first week that you're the running mate, you're not doing five interviews on MSNBC and CNN about, well, what happened to you? I thought you weren't going to take any, any uh, super PAC money, right? You do that now. Uh, and I do think Elizabeth Warren is that calculating. I do. Um, given her history, given the lies she's been able, she's been willing and identity she's been willing to co-opt and the lies she's been willing to tell to advance her career. I absolutely believe she is that calculating. So I'll, I'll buy that. Although maybe not with the reasoning behind it that Constantinus has with, 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 with what he said. I'll buy it a, because she's utterly shameless. Uh, and B, because right now, even though statistically she may not be doing well, when she's in the middle of those debates, she's a featured performer. Until she starts feeling like she is, uh, you know, if, if Klobuchar, Steyer, when they drop out and she has a clear understanding that, you know, I'm I'm the end mm-hmm. of the train here, I'm the joke, mm-hmm. then she'll get out, but not until then. 
All right, moving on to Baron J, who says, A man afraid of making enemies is one with no principles. Bye. Yeah. That's, that's the old Winston Churchill. Generally speaking, play on the bye, Winston yeah. Churchill line, right? You say you have enemies, good. Yeah. That means you've stood for something in your life, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, one of the mottos I've always had is make all the right, right. enemies. Make the right ones. Okay. And, and, you know, what's the old Will Rogers line? You can tell a lot about a man um, from his friends. I think it's actually the way around. I think you tell far more about a man uh, from his enemies or whether he has any or not. So um, I'll buy that wholeheartedly. Yes. All yeah. Right. Jim Stocker says uh, John MacArthur is one of the best biblical expositors of the last century. I, I would probably buy that too. Doesn't mean I agree with all of his expositing, but in terms of the power of his teaching, oration, um, some of the people I know that have come out, what is it, the Master's College? Is that his Correct. place out there in California? Some of the people that I know that have come out of, of that seminary, uh, the influence he's had, um, the prodigiousness of the work that he has done. I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's much of a question actually about that. Yeah, the century's tough because you know I'm RC Sproul. I didn't live the whole century, you know. Um, so certainly, in the last half century, for sure, I think that's true. Because we're not being, we're not saying he's the greatest, right? One of the right. greatest, One right? One of the best. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't, I don't know how you could say no to that, given his uh, track record and the impact that hit uh, that his ministries had. I would, I would buy that. You don't have to buy or sell Todd if you don't want to. Well, I'm giving you a get out of jail free card. Uh, as a, if you even know who John MacArthur is, yeah, I know who he oh, okay. is. Uh, he's he's memed a lot, is he not? By the uh, Babylon Bee as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, he's. He, I, he's not the most, um, in terms of a Protestant who's had the most impact on my life, he isn't it. Uh, the one thing that with MacArthur always comes to mind, was it like, wasn't it him two years ago or something when he went kind of nuts on the, you must believe, do whatever government tells you things? There was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that, that was that's weird. Why I, that's why I said, I don't believe with all of his, I don't agree with all of his expositing. You're right. There was a, there was a, he, 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 well, first of all, he has long held the position that the American revolution was a violation of Romans 13. He's held that his entire that's, ministerial career. That's what was behind, yes. Yeah. And I think he, that came up again because he did one of those Sunday interviews with Ben Shapiro. Yeah, that, that, exact, that so, is exactly what And so what I think a lot of people just uncovered this for the first time. when it, that He's actually held that position as long as I've been a believer, you know, and I got converted in 2003 and was shortly thereafter that I got introduced to his work. So as long as I've been introduced to him, he's held that position. I will also say that he's had, a, as I've, and I've talked about this before, he's had a very positive impact on the way that I have done this show. Uh, that early on after I got converted, I was already doing this uh, on some level after I got converted. I wasn't doing it full-time, but I was part-time doing the fill-in on the highest-rated morning show or morning political show in Iowa. And then I get converted, and um, somebody who holds John MacArthur's teaching in great um, uh, in, in great esteem handed me a... We were still doing CDs back then, kids. Handed me a CD, 50 Reasons Why Christians Shouldn't Be Involved in Partisan Politics. And I didn't want to listen to it because I didn't want to, frankly, I, I came up with excuses, but the real excuse was I didn't want to be challenged. And so one night I decided to go ahead while playing some NCAA football, put it in the CD player and uh, let it let it rip. And I found myself able to 
doesn't mean I'd win the argument. I, when I, I want to make sure I clarify that, but that I could, I could make an argument for all but two or three of the reasons that he gave. And I listened to this CD a few times. I didn't like let's listen to it once, but the, the two or three that he gave that I couldn't argue around absolutely had a massive impact on, on the boundaries I began to set. Um, and it was shortly thereafter. I, it was, it was only about a year or two later that I'm now switched over to doing news talk full time. And, and then I start interviewing some of these Christian leaders. You remember those days. Sure. And some of the questions and stuff I was asking were from some, for, were for, were from some of the premises that, uh, that John MacArthur had kind of established in the CD that I'd listened to. So, I think I'm a victim again, I guess is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, uh, everything about me you don't like, well, except for my personality, that I'll find a way to blame somebody else for too by the time the show ends today. But everything you like about the way that I try to navigate the political process, in some respects, John MacArthur is to blame for that. So I'm, I'm a victim again. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Not my there fault. You there yeah. you go. Uh, this one's from uh, Ross Hartman, a little uh, 4D chess here. Disney is intentionally underperforming on Star Wars so Marvel properties can stay on top. I asked him why he said he believes that, uh, you know, if Star Wars reached the Marvel generation, this next iteration of Marvel would not be quite as successful. Yeah, I, I'm going to sell on so, that. When you look at the amount of panic that they have done, the, the panic moves, the panic reactions, they're clearly they're they're letting you know that they are very aware of the criticism that they're taking. So I don't think this is any kind game of either. Yeah, I don't think this is any kind of stalking horse four-dimensional chess. No, I I think they're telling you that. They're admitting it. We'll come back more by Southern Hold here with hour 2 in a moment. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, podcast. Me amo Esteban Diaz. I still remember that from high school Spanish. But Como se llama? Me amo Todd. Nice. And you're Aaron. I know Habla the El Spanish. Thank you. Yo quiero Taco Bell. I thought that was going to be maybe uh, what you came back with. 888-933-93 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. At Steve Dace Show. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, by the way, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review wherever you choose to podcast from, we would be so grateful because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. Thank you to all of you that have left us one of those five-star reviews already. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, our weekly profit of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will be joining us. Part two of Buy, Seller Hold, though. Brought to you by Riduzone, who has a reality check. If you have fallen way off the wagon, if you have fallen down and you can't get up, uh, can't get back up with your New Year's resolution to eat right and lose weight, because dieting alone is just really difficult. And working out helps your overall uh, metabolic level, uh, helps your overall health, but you ultimately can't out-train a bad diet. That's where Riduzone comes in. It's the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster, burning stored fat while also reducing your calorie intake. Riduzone, therefore, makes it easier to resist those cravings and those massive portion sizes that are blowing your resolve, all right? So, 
if you want to get back up and take a stand to get healthy here in 2020. Give Riduzone a try. You can only get it on their website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. And if you go to riduzone.com right now, you're going to save up to 65% off and free shipping, folks. Save up to 65% off and free shipping when you go to riduzone.com, but you've got to use the promo code Steve, all right? Promo code Steve at riduzone.com, up to 65% off plus free shipping. Aaron, let's continue with Buy, Seller, Hold. All right, we will move on to your tribalism sucks. Who says Mayor Pete will go the Howard Dean, John Edwards route post-2020 and cease being a meaningful political animal? Um... Sell. I'm going to sell to, we'll get your reason first. Go ahead. Because this, this is your boy. Go ahead. Well, regardless of whether Pete thought he was going to get this far or not, we, you said before, Steve, that it's not just him. This is uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Any, you, you run for president way before your time because you want whatever your time is and whatever you're going to do come sooner rather than later. Yeah, you're, you're, you're raising your profile. Yeah. I mean, There's other I reasons you run other than... You think you I can didn't, win. I right. didn't know what a Pete Buttigieg or a Tulsi Gabbard was, you know, a year and a half ago. Now they're household names and both could be primetime six-figure people on cable news, I'd imagine. I mean, yes. look at they're both they they're both charismatic in their own way, photogenic, have a story to tell. I mean, that's why you and and then if it turns I mean, even Donald Trump. Donald Trump ran for president of the United States. Yeah, thinking yeah, I got a shot at winning. He didn't think he was the front runner, and there he is. He's in the White House, and he might be there for eight years. You do you run for president for all kind of reasons. You got a big enough ego, and you'd like it to get even bigger. So you can't compare Pete Buttigieg and John Edwards because John Edwards had already been elected as U.S. senator. Yeah. Okay. He had um he had already been a vice presidential running mate. Yes. To John Kerry in two thousand and four. So in other words. This was the the next logical step for him. He had already climbed the ladder. Uh, and then, of course, there was a massive personal scandal with him. And and that ended his career. Uh, it, Pete Buttigieg is, 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 a, is ascending. This isn't... So, the, some of the offices that John Edwards... Or offices that John Edwards already held, Pete Buttigieg hasn't acquired yet. So, from a career arc standpoint... Pete Buttigieg and John Edwards just they can't be they can't be compared. And I don't know really what like if we found out that Pete Buttigieg was cheating on his uh um friend friend because he doesn't have a husband that's not real. So if he was cheating on uh, his partner friend with other partners and friends well and and let's say that it, that's while his partner was like dying of brain cancer, whatever Elizabeth Edwards was at the time. Right. Do people get as incensed about that as they do with John Edwards? I, I don't, I don't know the, I mean, I don't know. Do you? Uh, I'm taking a hold on that question. <laughs> that may be the first time that a hold actually gets you uh, a reward. You're rewarded for it. If the, any question taking, that says, please help sort out this uh, non-heterosexual romance, hold. Yes. So I don't, I'm like, I don't know if it's like a scandal if you like cheat on your dude. I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and then maybe it is if you, use, if it's with a chick. I don't, I don't even know 
something tells me though that turn the page, Steve. Turn <laughs> the page. All right, man. I got to pull a Bob Seger here. Turn the page. All right, but um, something tells me we're we're probably not we're probably closer to the moment when we will find out answers to questions like this than we are far away. Is that at least fair? Sure. But for right now, we don't know answers to these kinds of questions. So they're so. Th- their their situations just aren't congruent on any level. I think what you're likely going to see is Pete Buttigieg is um, his next step is to run for Senate or governor of, of, of Indiana, Senator in Indiana. Yeah. And then if you can do that in a, in a deeply red state and there have been Democrats have won there every now and then, uh, you know, the by family was B a Y H. They were political power brokers in that state for many, many, many years. And Birch, the father, was a senator. Evan, uh, the son, was probably the last actual moderate, ideologically moderate Democrat with any kind of standing, you know? Um, So there has been some precedent for that in Indiana. It is not easy to win statewide in Indiana as a Democrat by any stretch. But it's a little bit like Wisconsin. In that, you know, Wisconsin, until... Trump came along has been a traditionally blue state, but there's every now and then you get a Tommy Thompson, you get a Scott Walker, right? You, you, you can win a statewide election there. It's just, it's not, it's not Massachusetts, but it ain't, you know, Oklahoma and Alabama either. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe Indiana. So I I think that's where Pete Buttigieg goes next and to see if he can win that kind of a statewide race. And if he does, then he becomes in the future a very viable presidential candidate because he's shown that he can he can win statewide in unfriendly territory. And if he doesn't, if he fails, if he Wendy Davises, then all he did was set the stage for someone else who will come along with the similar bent, but will be better at this and have a real resume and they'll pick up from where he left off. All right. FU Paladin says the Dems should change their party animal from a donkey to a giant pander. I, I see what you're doing there. You know, you've got the New England accent on the panda. I, I see you. Okay. Um, but I, I I can't think of a more fitting logo ass. than a jackass. Yes. Other than a hammer and a sickle. If you if you would have come at me with that, I would have bought instantly. Or a, or or a the you know a clenched fist, dressed in red, something like that. Right. Other than that, I'd stick with the jackass. For sure. Uh, Let's see. Dueling Politics says young evangelicals as a demographic will vote more towards the Democratic presidential candidate in 2020 than in any time in modern history. Um, I will buy on that because I think you have to remember that Donald Trump lost a majority of non-white evangelicals in 2016. See, we don't we don't we just have lumped all the evangelicals in that we forget that not every, not every, not every evangelical, not every, not every, and, and the, when the media does their demographic polling on this, the, the terms born again, Christian and evangelical are often interchanged, uh, interchangeable, but there's, there's plenty of Catholics that consider themselves born again, Christians. I've no, I've met them, but that's kind of how the media lumps all those people in together. Okay. Um, if you look at the, you know, Donald Trump won 81% of the white ones. He lost a majority of the non-white ones. Now, the, the percentage of non-white ones that vote compared to the percentage of white ones that vote is not high. Um, but 
he did lose a majority of non-white evangelicals. And if I'm right that Bernie Sanders is the nominee, if you were wondering how many Hispanic evangelicals there are in America, you will likely find out. You'll get the answer to that question. Um, I, I think he'll get an overwhelming number of votes from young Hispanic evangelicals. Um, so I'll, I'll buy that. But again, probably not from the premise that you were asking the question from, because you got to, you got to consider non-white evangelicals. Uh, yeah. And don't forget, uh, the never Trump movements commitment to that. Uh, that's going to be now, fast. Can you guys help me with this? I, I am confused since you brought this up. Can I take a brief commercial break for just a second? Go ahead. I, I, need, I need clarification on something. Is whatever is left of the Never Trump movement, is it completely irrelevant? Or is it omnipresent? Because the reason I ask is like every third story in my Twitter feed every day from conservative media is some form of reaction to what it, Jonah Goldberg, Jennifer Rubin, uh, who's left on that over there? David French is left. Uh, uh, who's the guy? Charlie Sykes from your state mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. Okay. Bill Crystal. Do you see this in your feed? Some, yeah. And, and, I mean, it, it overwhelms my feed. And, and a lot of these stories are, hey, ha ha, never Trump, whatever, what's left of never Trump is irrelevant. To which I'm wondering if it's irrelevant. Why are you, t- now I agree it's irrelevant. Like we almost never address, talk about it, that crap on this show, but if if it's irrelevant, why are you writing about it all the time? Why is my Twitter feed, why is my rundown polluted, infested with your stories? Does never Trump, whatever's left of it now, just exist as mental masturbation for the conservatives? Do, do people love reading about Jennifer Rubin? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So, it, so are they irrelevant or an omnipresent force? Because my Twitter feed is of, of two minds on this. Can I get clarification, please? But it could, it could be both. I mean, going back to Iowa and how what, what, roughly one third of the Democratic uh, precincts were led, at least in part, by uh, uh, Republicans canvassing for Pete Buttigieg. You know, I, I there's there. Now, I don't know if they were evangelicals as well, but I just, there is this type. And in, in the very narrow five-state, 40,000 votes, as you've talked about in the past, that characterized Trump last time, mm-hmm. when the math is that tight, if it could possibly be that tight again, yeah. And you, as you said, there's it's never going to be the same movements, how the different back and forth of constituencies uh, go, because you talked about how, yeah, the black vote could definitely be greater in Trump's favor, but we could lose—not we— uh, Trump could lose on another end. I don't yeah. know. So I think it's relevant enough as one variable in a vast sea that could end up s- swallowing it up. Aaron, do you uh, see this in your feed? It's ever present. Okay. Because I mean, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I can't get reason. away from it. I yeah. keep. Tr- you know how many people I've had to mute? Yeah, how many accounts I've had to get? How many Twitter's sites I've had America. to get? You know, Donald, right. David French right. very much wants this to be on everybody's mind. Is it even close to on anybody's mind, despite his wish casting? I, 
Probably not. Uh, honestly, the only reason... So I, I muted David French. Uh, I unfollowed Sykes a long time ago, I think. Um, and the only reason why I'm still following Jonah Goldberg is that he's got a really cute dog. And he posts videos of her <laughs> all the time. I just... I'm a, I don't believe in arguing down. Unless you can turn it to your advantage to your audience and make an example out of somebody, and then I will. But other than that, that's one thing I've always coached people I've worked with: do not argue down. There's just there's no point to it, you know. So when you tell me that this is irrelevant, but let me like every article at Red State in the last two weeks that has shown up in my Twitter feed, it seems, has been about never Trump. So so they must not be irrelevant then if you're that level of obsessed. Right. If they're living rent free in your head, they must not be irrelevant then. I mean, I think they're irrelevant. Like, I don't, you know, I never hear at all anywhere what these people think about anything except from who? Red State and a few other, a few other conservative sites obsessed with, uh, with, with, you know, uh, responding to them. If we're just doing clickbait, dude, I get, okay, I see you. Hate the game, not the player. Okay. But, you know, you, you can't argue both of those things at the same time. You can't argue that they're irrelevant. And then be obsessed with something that's irrelevant. Unless you're admitting that you're obsessed with the irrelevant and therefore a loser. Okay? I don't think you want to admit that, right? Do most people want to admit that? No. No. All right. So if you do better, do better forms of clickbait, not ones that, you know, are self-refuting. All right. Back to buy, sell, or hold. Thank you. Grant Asaski says, Western movies continue to make a comeback in the next decade as society is starved for real masculinity. Moreover, country and Western music and cowboys continue to become cool again driving interest in the subject. So I'll buy on the second part. The country music is in terms of its breadth, the, the audience it reaches. You know, my, my daughters are, are very much into loosely speaking country music. And I know there's the, there's hardcore, you know, like you bit, didn't you drop Conway Twitty bomb yeah. a couple days yeah. ago, but there's still like that, like authentic country. And then there's more pop country, but I, I think the audience is is as big as it's ever been, uh, to the point that people hate. Like there was like you hate, don't you hate Old Town Road, Aaron? Oh, with the burning passion of yeah. Thousand and One Sons. I hate of, I hate Old Town Road more than yeah, I hate Wisconsin. But a lo- wow, that's saying something. And a lot of people love it though. Um, and that's kind of what pop, imposter country or something like that. So on the music front, I'll definitely buy. Uh, I'm skeptical on the movie friend, not just because Hollywood is kind of a hot mess and it doesn't know what it's doing. And if it's profitable, it seems like it's going to do the opposite thing. Uh, maybe like the Avengers is going to be the last smart thing it ever did for a while. So I don't, I'm un- far more uncertain about the movie aspect. I'm, I'm struggling with this one because one of the, one of the arguments you know, one of the debates that's taking place, you have Carrie Underwood goes to a gay marriage church, for example. Okay. So there's been a, the, the cancer, as you like to call it, of progressivism has been desperately attempting to metastasize into country culture, you know? Um, and and I, I can see given its legacy and the part of the country it's from primarily and who its primary audience is. I can see it being holding out and holding this at bay longer than most places, most sectors. But ultimately I, I I can't see it being the, um, the, in a bubble 
a, a resistance, pardon the pun, a resistance bubble aside from what's happening the rest of the culture. Um, so I'm actually more optimistic on the, I'm opposite of you. I'm actually more optimistic on the Western front than I am on the movie Western front than I am the music front. Hmm. Uh, because especially, I mean, I, I remember, and I loved it, you know, when, when Garth Brooks and Travis Tritt, um, when you had the, the early nineties country boom, I still listen to a lot of songs from that era and it was kind of considered, you know, too poppy then. You know, dude, it's, you know, it's Oki from Muskogee compared to the, some of the stuff that you're talking, you guys are just going back and forth or Florida, Georgia line and stuff like that. And I view the overtly uh, popinization, if that's even a term I just invented, of country music as a forerunner to its effeminization. But there's still a simplicity. They're just talking about pretty girls and cold beer some and pickup trucks. Some, and... some, some are. Some are. That's why I think they'll. I think it will hold out longer than any. Like we're not going to see like um uh, I, um uh, 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 what are they called um, when you have both sexes? What do we call the worms that have both sexes? Hermaphrodites. We're not going to see like a Korean hermaphrodite boy band on, on, on at the Grand Ole Opry in a month or probably even in a few years. Why would you even say that out loud? Because that's going to happen now. Okay, it's, well, it, but I think I think we it will it will it will it will hold back because of its birth it, its legacy. It'll hold back against those prevailing winds longer than anyone else will. But then I think it'll eventually succumb, in my view, uh, because that's just what that's what happens when you're revival or bust. I am more optimistic that a studio like an MGM a once proud studio that is trying to figure out, well, you know, Sylvester Stallone, we can't keep, you know, making Rocky movies. What do we do to reinvent ourselves? That I can, I'm more optimistic that a, a studio like an MGM that wants to reinvent, that was once very prevalent and wants to find a foothold, accidentally stumbles in to, hey, you know, there's a market for this kind of a Western. I'm more optimistic than I am that country music because is going to be, uh, is going to hold back the gates of Mordor. But when Hollywood controls the movies and Nashville controls the music, you know, in Hollywood, look at what, they, they're just not going to make the movies if they can Who's the most successful figure to come out of Nashville in the last decade? Who is it? Uh, I don't. I Taylor don't. Swift is. What is she doing right now? Not Nashville. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack to Bernie 2020. That's what she's Well, there's right a now. lot to Nashville, though, besides yeah, Taylor Swift. She, I didn't say there wasn't a lot. She is by far, Look by you, far, the most successful thing to come out of Nashville in the last decade. By far. Oh, I don't think, by far, that's not true. Uh, she's the most popular pop, she's the most popular female music but act. there's a lot of popular In the acts. world right now. In the world. I don't think, I'm not saying she's not popular. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of room there. There's no room in Hollywood. They tried to make what, Brokeback Mountain, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. They, 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 like they said, we're going to do this, we're going to spit on this, and now we're just, what Westerns have been made in the last 15 years of any note? Well, if you wanted to tell me neither one will happen, I'm fine with that too. But I, I am not nearly as confident that, that, um, that Nashville is going to, hold the line i'm not near particularly because it's one of the top three cities people are moving to you're importing uh, all kinds of other same thing is going on with texas mm-hmm. let me leave i want i want to leave my blue state with its terrible taxes 
go to a state with no state income tax, which is like Tennessee, and 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 but but I want to take all my pagan values with me without paying state income tax. There's good. There's much more of that population being imported into that state right now. No, yeah, I believe that that's going on everywhere. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to Matthew Cardrell, who's trying to sow discord amongst us, but I'm not going to stop him. A hot dog is a sandwich. Sell. A hot dog is not a sandwich. I know, you're very proud of this. I'm fine if you call it a sandwich, because I understand the argument. It's a piece of meat between two pieces of bread. The only problem, the reason I'm going to sell, though, is not on on the basis of my own opinion, because I don't care, all right? But on the basis of people who sell sandwiches for a living, like the most successful sandwich seller on planet Earth right now is Subway. What can you not get at Subway? You can virtually get any other meat at Subway except what? Hot dog? A hot dog. You can get chicken, turkey, beef. Hell, they they were doing brisket last year, and the brisket sandwiches were actually really good. Okay? I mean, you can get, uh, you know, seafood and stuff. Wink, wink. You know, who knows what else is in there? You get virtually any other meat other than a hot dog at Subway. And just like in one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, Miracle on 34th Street, when they appeal to the authority of the U.S. Postal Service who recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, as Santa Claus by delivering him all the Santa letters, right? I have to defer here. I, I cannot possibly claim to know more about what is a sandwich than Subway. The number two restauranter next to McDonald's on this entire planet. And since they don't recognize a hot dog as a sandwich, and sandwiches is, are what they do, it's their DNA, I therefore cannot recognize it either, so I must sell. All right, we'll move on. Um, Chad Translation, says, I just made a really good argument. That's what that means. Go ahead. No, that means I don't want to subject our audience to a stupid contrived fight when I would kick your ass. Uh, that's... Oh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Oh, Nelly. Hey, hey, just because Subway doesn't have hot dogs, McDonald's doesn't have hot dogs, doesn't mean, doesn't mean uh, hot dogs aren't sandwiches. I don't even know what I believe anymore about, uh, about hot dogs. Chad says, Bernie Sanders wins in 10 states in November. California, Massachusetts, Vermont. New York. New York. Delaware, that's five. Illinois, six. Nevada, seven. I think he still wins Nevada in the general election. Colorado. I, I think that's there's enough. Trump could win that state, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else on the eastern seaboard? Rhode Island would be eight. Connecticut would be nine. Maryland would be 10. So, yeah, it's going to be over 10 states. It's going to be over 10, yeah. How, how many states did Trump win last time? Do you, oh, have, roughly, do you have, I mean, the ballpark. I not have to go and look. I don't know. A majority of them, I know that. Mm, I'll, I'll sell. I, I need to be optimistic about. I, I can't. A country that has a close race with Bernie Sanders. Well, there's 50 states. If he wins 13 or 14, it's not that close. The the issue you have no, is no, that I, I know. There's, I, it's just too polarized now. I, no, I need this to yeah. be like okay. grave digging quality. But but that's loss. a good. Over, it's a good over under. Yes, I agree. It's a good number. I'd I'd, pro- I'd bet the over, but it wouldn't be that much over. I don't think it'd be sixteen or seventeen. I think I think it would be probably in the twelve or thirteen area somewhere in there. Okay. All right, let's do some lightning round here. Jacob Hibbert says Steve runs for the Iowa State Legislature in the next ten years. Hard sell, so, no chance. I'm not no running for any office that doesn't that. give me power, uh, and then that one doesn't sell. 
Nope. Re- Rev AG says Chicago Bears sticking with Trubisky is a smokescreen. They'll actually draft a quarterback in the draft. Sell because uh, that's your general manager admitting fire me. So sell. Yeah, I think your next general manager will be doing that. It just it'll be in another draft, and his name won't be Jordan Love. It'll be somebody else. Yep. All right. Uh, Raymond Fava says the Houston Astros will set the regular season record <laughs> for hit by pitch. I like this one. Um, Let it be so. I'm going to buy Amen. for the same reason you sold on the. I, I need this one to yes. be true. Oh yes. There there is some dude code left. Okay, and then don't. I'm not talking about throwing at people's heads. Don't don't get your panties in a bunch. Okay, but but if I don't see you know a, a record number of Don Baylors out there taking a shot to the shoulder to the to the backside, you know what I'm saying? Then I mean, then the game is dead as far as I'm concerned. So I need this one to there's, be true. There's so I'm all buy. kinds of bad reasons why unwritten rules have been interpreted to throw. I mean, just. Yeah, so a guy hit a home run and looked at you for two or looked at it for two seconds too long. You know, maybe don't suck as bad next time. But this, this, and the new data has come out with Clay. Did you see this with Clayton Kershaw? No. It, uh, Dodgers Astros, what NLCS? They caught fifty-two yeah. curveballs and and or sliders yep. that they hit. No, they did not swing at oh, they didn't one even of swing them. At them. Because they knew they were coming. Not one. They knew they were coming. So this is this is this is arguably the best left-handed pitcher of his era. He's in the conversation. Clayton Kershaw, right? Oh, he's more than the conversation. He's the front runner. So, and the reason he's not clearly is because because of this. You weren't you weren't fooled on any of his breaking zero out of fifty-two. Oh wow, that's I did not see that stat. It was just yesterday. Very damning. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Chia Jesus Alpha and Omega 3 says Bernie teams up with AOC to send cows who refuse to stop farting to the moologs. I, you know what, man? I just love some of your names. All I'm going to buy buys. on that. I'm buying on that alone. Yeah. Our Delecto says Gorsuch will turn out to be just as bad or worse of a judge than Roberts. I, I will sell. He's already a better judge than Roberts ever was. Doesn't mean he won't disappoint you or break your heart. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I, I, Roberts is a, is a bad judge, guys. He's been a bad judge. He saved Obamacare twice. And then he, he helped you on religious freedom a couple of times, but with the worst and most narrow defined rationale possible, all right, without actually upholding the Constitution, but just on the basis of you're mean, this do it nicer next time. Roberts is ter- terrible, terrible. So Gorsuch will not sink that low. Doesn't mean he won't disappoint you, but I mean, Roberts is terrible. What you said. Final one. Daniel Olson says Ron DeSantis's political future. Oh, I'd be oh, buying on that buy. right now for yeah. sure. I mean, take him over the field. Yeah, I would. I, I would be buying on that right now for sure. And and what what you've seen Ron DeSantis do is govern on the stuff that you've seen Donald Trump mainly talk about. Now he's got a Republican legislature. I get that. Well, Trump had a Republican Congress too. The difference is he's taken on his people. You know, Trump has never, we've talked about this, his whole presidency, he's never, ever really taken on the internal mechanics of his own party. And DeSantis has down in Florida. That's how he's gotten some stuff done. You know, so I, I would definitely buy on that right now for sure. And he's got a really folksy demeanor too that's easy to like as well. I right, will come back. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. He's a big Ron DeSantis guy, by the way. Daniel Horowitz is going to join us. Stay tuned.
It's shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. That is the brutal lesson that Deborah and so many others have learned in recent years. When thieves found her home's title online, they forged it, literally took ownership of her home, and in an instant, thieves legally owned Deborah's house. She got evicted, spent a fortune in legal fees trying to get it back. All of that equity, thousands of dollars gone at risk the fbi calls this home title fraud and they say it's one of the fastest growing crime trends in america you don't want to be next that's why i urge you protect your title online to your home with home title lock the legal documents to our homes are kept online where thieves are hunting for them right now they forge the document stating you sold your home then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments No insurance or bank can protect you, but Home Title Lock does. You could already be a victim of this title fraud and not even know it yet. So register your home at HomeTitleLock.com. Enter Steve for the promo code for one month of free protection. HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code Steve for one month of free protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Let's bring in our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank God. Great to be back with you, Steve. So we got we just got done playing our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. And and the last one we were we were given is right in your wheelhouse. I'm gonna throw it to you, okay? Ron DeSantis's political future, the governor of Florida. Buy, sell, or hold. Where do you come down on that? Buy. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, the, the reality is this. The reality is whether people are going to accept and recognize what I've been warning about, what you've been warning about the last number of years. Um, this year or next year, is uh, the jury's still out on that. But the piper will be paid, and there will be a problem. Um, you look at the other side of what is likely to be a Trump re- re-election, you're going to see – the rhino problems that people have hated that served as the catalyst for Trump's election only become magnified, only get worse. And more often than not, I predict, you know, Trump is going to get roped into that. People are going to be frustrated. They're going to be looking for something else. They're going to be looking for results. There really aren't too many Republicans that you could point to that could capture that. I mean, Nikki Haley Mike Pence, that that's more of the same. That's exactly what people are getting away from. So I think, you know, this is a guy that people could point to as MAGA without the BS. Hmm. Where do you think? Well, let me let me ask you next then about another buy seller hold question we, we, we got just a few minutes ago. Over under on the amount of states Bernie Sanders were to win in a general election. One of our one of our viewers, listeners put it at 10 no, I took the over. I, I think it's probably closer to 15. But where would you come down on that? Yeah, for sure, over. No, I mean, at the end of the day, the two-party system will kick in. I, I don't think this is going to upend the two-party system. I do believe that if this election would have been held a generation ago, not that long ago. Right, before you that, had the, that, the balkanization of the Electoral College map that we exactly have now. Exactly, yeah. that, that, that would have happened. I mean, but but let, let's be honest here. I mean, you take a look at California and Bernie is crushing it in the primary mm-hmm. for the same reason he will crush it in the general and win in many similar places. Um, and you know where I'm fascinated know, th- if he's the nominee, I am fascinated, Daniel, where states like Washington state, OK, that are culturally very left wing, but have 
no state income tax and have used that as a vehicle to to have tremendous economic growth and success at California's expense meaning they're they're totally fine with the slouch towards Gomorrah in Washington state they just they don't want to have to you know uh pay exorbitant taxes to the redcoats for it you know what i'm saying um so they're not they're not going whole cloth state soviet like california is a state like washington state does that suddenly become into play if bernie's the nominee because you want to, I mean, the double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways, this guy's wealth tax and, and we're going to tax everybody that makes more than 29 grand a year. Listen, man, I, I love abortion on demand. I love me some rainbow jihad. I love me some sodomy. That stuff's great, okay? But not at the expense of shutting down my floral business or, you know what I'm saying? The, not at the expense of losing my home, not at the expense of turning into, Cal- if I wanted California, I'd, I'd live there. I'm not living there because I don't want that. Do we see states like that suddenly come into play if he's the nominee because he's going to challenge them um, at, at a very basic instinct level? I think that's a good question. You heard Amy Klobuchar said yesterday that uh, the state of Minnesota would be jeopardized as well. And I think that's a similar dynamic, a little different, but similar New Hampshire, Maine also come to mind um, that I think are no brainers would be uh, placed into jeopardy. The reality is it's not just at a base voter level. It's also at a corporate level. See, part of why the left has succeeded until now is that they've reached a certain detente and equilibrium and even friendship and alliance with the corporate bosses, mm-hmm. whereby Republicans shield them from the impact of taxes and very tailored regulations that each particular industry doesn't like, but they love all the rest of them. And they love the individual welfare and the spending and the socialism and certainly the cultural Marxism. They turn around and become the, the enforcers right. of you know the open borders, the homosexual agenda, uh, the cr- criminal justice is a big one now. They're into that as well. Eco-religious um, stuff. All this stuff. And and we saw just uh, yesterday, um, it was announced, J.P. Morgan announced they're divesting from some of their uh, lending for oil and gas. So they're able to get to people. But the reality is, you look at Nancy Pelosi, she's opposed single payer. Now, we basically have single payer in this country, but it's funneled through the venture socialism right. of this private sector. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, Democrats were smart enough to co-opt the golden goose not to kill the golden goose. What Bur- The only thing Bernie does differently is he says, look, I'm going to overtly kill it. You guys will not survive. It's not like you could find a way to make money off of it, screw the rest of us. And, and, and which is why, Steve, I think this is such an important opportunity for conservatives to force an Elijah on Mount Carmel moment with these dudes and say, hey, buddy, Stop straddling both ends of the stick. Are you with bail or are you with God? Because you can't have it both ways anymore, right? And and I think we could force this discussion by saying, you know what? Maybe we'll sick Bernie on you and your and your and your cronies if uh, if you don't pick a side and if you continue to turn around and be the enforcers of cultural Marxism. So I do think if we had a savvy, sane, coherent conservative movement, uh, which is a big if. There is a lot we can do to harness and benefit from a potential Bernie nomination. What are the chances that we could see a self-fulfilling prophecy economically? Like one of the things I've been saying the last couple of weeks is I think it's become more and more obvious that Bernie is inevitable. When you game theory game plan this out, 
I there I don't see too many scenarios where he's not the nominee barring another health scare. Okay. And what are the chances that in fear of what his presidency could mean? Because you look at this current economic uh, boom that we have, you know, we had the, like the, the tech boom in the Clinton years. A lot of times they're based on certain things, right? Okay. Uh, you know, the, the reduction of top marginal tax rates and capital gains in the Reagan years. Okay. What's the, what's the impetus for the boom? The market is the impetus for this boom by and large, right? Uh, market morale has improved since Trump was elected. Um, corporate investment, uh, market investment, investments in, in, in stocks, etc., is what's fueling a lot of this. If the investment sector decides, dude, this guy could win and we need to protect the gains we've already made and, and goes into and, and bears up and thus creates a self-fulfilling prophecy where they they voluntarily slow the economy down out of fear of Bernie winning the presidency. In a way, could they almost set the stage for the very conditions that would anoint him into office in the first place? And if so, how big of a fear is that later this fall? So the tough question about that is you're putting two uh, very strong factors against each other. On the one hand, the inertia against the country electing someone like Bernie. And then on the other hand, you're talking about this notion that these, these, that, that, that an incumbent could win reelection in a 2008 style slowdown, man, they're both impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, what I will tell you is I don't know if, if we're at that stage, if it's capable. I think if the election were held in a year or two from now, that might be more of a possibility. I just don't think we're there in the business cycle. I, I actually do think in the next term, clearly we are headed for some sort of economic slowdown. We're just due for it. But there's not a lot of time left. I mean this is getting to March already. You're talking about uh, seven, eight months till the election. But remember, we voting. had the 2008 thing in September. McCain came out of the Republican convention in September and for the first and only time took the lead in the real clear politics polling average. And then we had the, the housing bubble collapse. He suspends his campaign to save America. John uh, George W. Bush suspends free market principles to save the free market. And we end up with an Obama route. Those events, that chain of events all occurred from the third quarter on rather spontaneously to blow that election open. Why couldn't that happen again now? It, it did, but the foundation was there already. Um, you know, the, the slowdown was really uh, since 2007. It was the year before. Um, right now you have, what, three, three and a half percent unemployment. Um, back then it was much higher. I mean, even for the low period, I just don't see them leveraging that. And in fact, I th I see them rallying around him. I see them finding ways to rally around him because here's the thing. In America, everyone fears the unknown. Now, it would be one thing if you had an incumbent president who wasn't running for re-election. You had Trump on one end and Bernie on the other end, and everyone's scared of what that would do, either one of them. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, Trump's been around now, and certainly the market loves that. And uh, he's been good to them. So you don't think there's much of a chance that someday in October, like we had Black Monday, 1987, when you and I were kids, okay? I, yeah, that I we couldn't come that. in someday in October. Like Trump has a bad debate. Listen, we just saw the stock market go down 500 or 1,000 points or whatever 
because mean anything. you don't think there's any day that a bad debate Trump has a bad debate and people are like, well, I don't know, maybe he can win. There's no day, nothing like a black Monday in, in 1987 where the market people come in because they're the ones fueling the current economic bubble that the markets come in and just start selling off saying, Hey, this is a bubble. Trump, Bernie could lose. We got to We got to dump these uh, overinflated stocks and investments right now before we get stuck with a wealth tax in January. You don't think there's any chance that that happens. Steve, you said it yourself. We, we just had it. We always have it. That's the difference between now and 87, 87. That was a big shock when you had these huge bear market days and it was called, you know, is a black day, so to speak. Nowadays, that happens all the time. I mean, that's just how the stock market is. It's priced in. It, it and now will go down a thousand points at a time. I know as a percentage, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta weigh that. And I, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I I just I just don't see that. I, I think that's just it's already priced okay. in. That's how the market rolls. All right. So, well, see, um, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to get to the, your do, your woe and lamentation here, and I'm struggling this week. And well, and the, oh, the woe and lamentation, Steve, is very simple. It's what we're going to do with the victory. <laughs> I mean, that that's my concern. Yes. It's it, it's not that you know. There we're, he we're, is. We're, we're okay, I was getting worried there for a second. All right, go ahead. Oh yes, Steve. I yeah, called I mean, Daniel we're... to talk me onto the ledge. That's what I do. I <laughs> talk me onto the ledge. Go. All right, go ahead. Jump, jump. I mean, that's that's how it is, Steve. <laughs> it, it's not going to change. You know it. You know it's not going to change because you know the more fodder they have to point to Bernie saying like you know Castro should win the Nobel Peace Prize or something the more they're going to continue doing their own stupid things and talking about, you know, more H1B and more H2B, more high-skilled, middle-skilled, low-skilled, every labor, more amnesty, um, more, uh, you know, entitlement programs, the conservative version of, what's that called, paid family leave. Yes. Um, You're going to have all this. And, and in fact, the more Bernie talks about this stuff, the more it pushes the Overton window while people are repulsed about it and while Republicans are claiming outrage over it, they're feigning outrage, you're going to have the conservative solution to um, paying off free debt rather than addressing the cause of it. Uh, All this stuff, I mean, there's no There's precedent for what you're saying. I've been pointing out in 1972... George McGovern was outside of the mainstream and Richard Nixon annihilated him. Uh, and, and, and traditional America won that election in a route. But if you look what happened in the next five decades, except for about half of the Reagan presidency, the forces that brought George McGovern the nomination won the culture in a route. That's what you're describing, that history repeating itself all over again. Well, you got the EPA. You, that, that's when you got the EPA. It was around then um, under, under Nixon. And, uh, you know, Steve Nixon did price controls to try to stop an economic slowdown in his second term. Right. A lot of the kind of, yeah, see a big win. And when I say a big win, I mean, in this era, you're not going to see 1984 style electoral win, but in this era, big win coincide with a shift to the left, um, in the Republican party and the Trump administration, the two actually work very well because like you said, this is how the left, they shock you, but then it becomes the norm. And then because Republicans don't have their own cojones and they operate within the orbit of the left. So it's always going to be, you know, they're, you know, the conservative trans and the conservative, uh, you know, we were already talking about the conservative global warming, which, which is very shocking. We've got a conservative Greta Thunberg now. So apparently we're not against uh, politicizing children if they want to, if they want to sing our tune, right? We, uh, we use their parlance, their tactics, their way of thinking. Well, except for their tactics of actually winning, 
you know, unconditional victory for your cause. But then again, we don't have a cause. The cause is making money. So I guess it is unconditional victory for that. Um, but that that's the problem, Steve. You notice now there's this new grumbling uh, the last five or ten weeks about this conservative climate change stuff. Kevin McCarthy is working on that. Mm-hmm. And, and what's shocking about that is that's the one issue where at least there's a small sliver. One of my listeners sent me a note that the Arizona Republican Party was sponsoring a talk along these kinds of lines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that that's where we're headed. So I'm just telling people, I'm not saying I want Bernie to win. I certainly don't. But just be very careful what you wish for. Um, remember the euphoria when Bush beat Kerry in a close election despite being savaged and everything, and we thought, wow, this is great. Well, that political capital was used for Fallujah. And that's that's what we got for it. And um, and everything else just went south on every other issue, and that was really the precursor to the Obama Set era. Set the stage and for Obama. Yep. We're, we're dealing with today. So, I mean, that's really... Again, I don't think anyone should take this election for granted, but I think if we actually had people who cared about our future, more than thinking about this election, we should be thinking about what does the election mandate look like? Well said, my friend. Good to have you back with us again this week. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Gentlemen, your thoughts on uh, conversation we just had with Daniel Horowitz, Todd? You know, it's... You said you were watching uh, my Twitter feed last night during the debate. my concerns about that mandate is exactly why I think the best case scenario for changing the entire political climate would be Trump versus Bloomberg. Hmm. Because I, I mean, really, if it's Sanders, the, the the level of default so many people I think will begrudgingly go to in a good economy to Trump, and then I, I mean, I don't, I would simultaneously. You think you're so? Are you saying vote? you think Trump Bloomberg forces people to think through this process? You're going to look deeper. at a Democrat turned Republican Versus against a Republican, a Republican turned Republican Democrat, ter- yeah. both from New York City. Yeah, and now both. I, I said I would give pay good money for them to come out on the in khakis and golf shirts in a golf cart, drive out together, and just laugh at all of us because, and then we would say this is stupid. We really do. Trump will be anointed as as a savior against socialism. Republicans will just okay. Four more years of this. Daniel's right to say we like. There, where well, will the, that win go? Other than staving off the inevitable for four years and make ultimately your point comes true. It's just going to be a blip on what long term is a loss. If you look at it, you got to probably go back to Coolidge. The last time the second term of a Republican president, maybe Ike was considered. A positive was good. Didn't involve some kind of great sellout on an issue of his base. See, so, yeah, I think I think this is the, the result of this is going to be basically the result of of the Trump pre- presidency in mass from a big picture scale since tax cuts and Gorsuch, which is he's just standing between he's he's our human body shield between us and the leftists. Yeah, I think that's all it accomplishes. I but see, I think there's just as much of a possibility he just decides to go the other way and go for broke too. I think predicting what he will do is impossible, I think. Everybody have a great day. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.